on a mission from God. And now for something completely different. So, so the, the the psychiatrist is sitting there, and 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 the the bunny rabbit is laying on the couch, you know, as you do when you're visiting a psychiatrist. Oh, sure, okay. And so the psychiatrist says to the bunny, he says, "I think you're hiding something from me." <laughs> <laughs> blessed, blessed Saturday after Easter. <laughs> this is Pastor Jolly John Lukomsky. Yeah, I think we know that from the joke. <laughs> <laughs> from St. Paul's Lutheran Church and uh, uh, New Athens and Darmstadt Lutheran Church. Our, yeah, they're both Lutheran churches. In Trin- our Trinity in Darmstadt. You've only been there 40 plus years. <laughs> I know. It's, it's all right. I turned 65. It's all going to pot now. <laughs> and I have with me a Pastor Matt Youngblood Clark from Ascension Lutheran Church. Still gets his church straight. Still got mine straight. Yeah. They're in, in beautiful daffodil line streets <laughs> of South St. Louis. So are there a lot of flowers over the park across the street from you? Well, there, yeah, there are a few. There, especially in the corner, they've got a nice little flower bed, and in, our, in the front of our church, we've got the daffodils right oh, now. Lots of the yellow daffodils. So that's beautiful. Did they ever get the statue up? In the in no, the... they haven't. Really? Yeah, that's you know, I'm, I'm wondering about tough. that too. Maybe maybe someone in the uh, St. Louis Hills, you know, neighborhood association might be listening. But yeah, the David R. Francis statue. We've been waiting yes, for this. I, you, you better breath. have. I know yeah. our, our church is helping this. One of the many groups sponsoring that yeah. as part yeah. of our community. We want to be a part of our neighborhood, of course, too. And David R. Francis, the guy who uh, helped get the World's Fair here in 1902 and uh, You don't think it's a scam, do you? (laughs) Somebody, they've been saying, oh, yeah, donate to this big statue, and they're just pocketing the money, yeah, you think? <laughs> and it's only going to be like three inches tall once they do erect it. That would be terrible. No, I'm sure it's coming. I have full faith. It looks like it's going to be a beautiful monument, but it's just uh, I'm just Not eager there. to see it. Not there yet. Not there yet. And, and by the way, this is... Wrestling, wrestling with, with the, the basics. basics, if you hadn't figured it out already. So, Matt, it is the week after Easter, and where do you want to take us? Well, you know, let's hear a little Easter preaching. Um, okay. This is, uh, I want to look at a sermon, a sermon from Paul, and actually we have quite a few sermons from from Paul scattered throughout the, the book of Acts in particular, but in light of Easter and, and the Lord's resurrection, what is it that Paul preaches about when he preaches? You know, here's Paul after he becomes an apostle, and this, of course, following Jesus' death and resurrection and ascension. Paul's chosen by God, commissioned by God. And now what does Paul have to say? What has God given him to say? And and as we hear about this, you know, what do we as, as preacher types, uh, what do we preach, especially in this season of Easter? And what is it that our, our hearers, our listeners here in Wrestling the Basics, what are some things to listen for in a sermon, especially during the season of Easter, but really any time they're, they're in worship? There are some key things to look for. So where, where, do, you want, where, where do you want me to start here? Well, we're, we're going to be in the book of Acts, chapter okay. 13, and oh, this is, is that Paul. Unlucky? <laughs> yeah, oh I don't know. Should we start off the Easter season with the unlucky chapter 13? 13? Shouldn't it just oh. go from chapter 12 to 14, right. like elevators and high-rise hotels? Yeah, yeah. So, well, no, we'll, we'll be okay. okay. We'll be all right. So, uh, chapter 13 of Acts, 
This is Paul's very first missionary journey. So oh, this really? is his first time heading out. What does the guy have to say? Bring, bring back memories when you got your call to, uh, what was your first call to Waterloo? To Waterloo. Yeah. Yeah. Manuel yeah. Waterloo. There you yeah, go. my first missionary journey. journey there to the wilds of Waterloo. <laughs> Waterloo. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> crazy Germans there. To, to and tame the untamable. And, yeah. no. and Paul, you know, it's, it is kind of interesting. As he sets out, it's, it's unique in that, um, you know, there's not established churches there ah, necessarily. Yeah. Yeah. However, there, there are groups of followers of the Lord there. And we'll see that in a second. Connected to that, you know, when I uh, when I was in in Waterloo, that was my first call, and right out of the seminary. And so, when you're you're called to serve as a pastor, especially initially, you're ordained, right? right ordained, right. and yep. and Pastor Jolly John was there at the ordination. In fact, he preached at it, if I remember right. Yeah, uh, and that was a wonderful thing. And then you you're called, of course, too, and you're installed there uh, as part of that service. So let's let's. Let's look at the beginning of, of chapter 13, okay. because I think we see something similar there as Paul sent out, not to Waterloo, <laughs> Illinois, <laughs> but as Paul sent out uh, around the Mediterranean, uh, this first missionary journey. How was he first sent? Because okay. I think there's a couple of parallels since you brought that up. So uh, chapter 13, verses 1 through 3, right? let's read that. Now, there were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene. Mannion, a member of the court of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work for which I've called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. So yeah. you're right. Call, ordination, the whole thing's right there. Yeah, that's kind of cool. So you have this picture of this church here at Antioch, and what's the church at this time? Well, I think... Simply put, baptized believers, people who follow Jesus, people who are who gather as baptized people around the Word and and sacrament, and it's sort of a multicultural group here. From Cyrene, and you also have Paul, the you know a, a, a former uh, Pharisee. It's, it's sort of a, a mixed group. It's, it's interesting, and then most importantly, uh, the Holy Spirit's at work. The Holy Spirit has called them and even speaks here, uh, commissioned them for the work that I have called them to. So they're set apart, and they laid their hands on them, and they send them off. So similar, not even just similar today, it's exactly what happens today. Now, the Holy Spirit might, might not speak directly, you know, Matt or John right. needs to do this work, but the Holy Spirit still calls us today, especially pastors and, and preachers, uh, as he works through his his people, through the and, church. And, and, you know, the, the thing is, is the text really doesn't specify how the Holy Spirit said this. Yeah. And no. it could have been very well the same kind of procedure we have, where there are people that get together, and, and these people have been in, in, instructed, and they're, they're, they're doing this. And, well, no, we see that these people have the, the ability and the gifts, and so we, as a church, call them to do that. Uh, because I think that's one of the really cool things about our church's belief, even though there is a, a procedure, there, there are committees at the seminary and they do assignments. Uh, but at the end, we, we very much believe, no, this is the call of the Holy Spirit, that I'm where I'm at, uh, not because that's what I wanted. In fact, our system is set up that you really don't get to say what you want. Uh, I'll give you a classic example. Uh, I, I, <laughs> I said I wanted to be in a big city so I could go to the seminary. And I ended up in Darmstadt, New Athens, <laughs> which are about as opposite a big city as you can be, see? Uh, uh, but that's okay. The Holy I, Spirit had something else in mind. He had something else in mind. 
Um, so uh, anyway, anyway, I'm sorry. I just wanted to affirm the fact that it's the same thing going on. The Holy Spirit's still calling. And I do like the fact, like you said, that they laid on hands. It's kind of a recognition of the whole church body. Yeah, this is not what they want to do. So it's not like they said, hey, I think I'm going to go be an apostle. I'm going to go off on a missionary journey. But the whole church said, no, yeah, this is what what God wants to be done. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's kind of this phrase that a person doesn't seek the call, the right. call seeks the that's person. And, and here that's certainly what's happening. Yeah. And the Holy Spirit is is calling and guiding and seeking out Paul, in this case, to, to be his, his ambassador. And I think it is interesting here he's still being called Saul. Yeah. He hasn't been even given the title Paul. Yeah, yet. that's interesting. So that, that on this first missionary journey, it seems... Is the first time he's called Paul, yeah, and it's it's not so much. I think sometimes we have this impression that it's he has this 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 road to Damascus and this this conversion experience, and then all of a sudden, whammo, he's turns from Saul to Paul, and it's 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 not so much that. It's more that the context he's in. Yeah. So th- this name Saul, sort of a Jewish name, okay, yeah. but yeah. then the, the Greek name Paul. You know, so it depends on the the people that he's ministering to and the people that he's among. And as he becomes more and more that apostle to the Gentiles, he's being referred to as Paul. That's a. I did not realize that. Because yeah. I must say that I probably figured too. Oh yeah, he he saw the the light on the road to Damascus, and but but so it really was a matter amongst the the Jews. He was known as Saul, but as he became more associated with the ministry to the Gentiles, then he had the Greek name Paul. That seems to be the yeah. case. Okay, and, and we see this especially I think in his first missionary journey. We see that that change occur yeah. from Saul to Paul. And here, like you pointed out, this is post. Conversion, yep. post-Damascus yep. Rose, uh, and he's still going by Saul. Saul. Yeah. All right. All Good. Right. Well, we're, we're going to fast forward a little okay. if we can. So All he right. begins that journey, and uh, and Barnabas is, is there accompanying him. And I want to skip forward to verse 13, where uh, he eventually gets to a different Antioch. So we have two Antiochs going on here. So they're leaving Antioch, and that's okay. that's there on the, 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 the coast of the Mediterranean. But now he's going... He's going uh, westward to a different Antioch. Could you show us on uh, the map? Pisidia map? Antioch. So if you, if you see the map. the map here, listeners. Okay. I've got it. Okay, yeah, very good. So so along the, the coast of the... Wait a second. This is Radio Jack. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Wait a second. I almost <laughs> fell for it. Oh, Jane. Okay. Now, Paul and his companions set sail from Paphos and came to Perga and Pamphylia, and John went with him and returned to Jerusalem. But they went on from Perga and came to Antioch and Pisidia. So not the Antioch. Yeah. No, this is the Antioch Pisidian and Pisidia. Antioch, yeah. yeah not like the other Antioch. Springfield, Illinois. Springfield, Missouri. Exactly. Yeah. we got a Waterloo, Illinois, a Waterloo, Iowa. Yeah, We've got yeah. Emmanuel Lutheran churches in both, which is makes that things right? oh, that's doubly confusing. confusing. I know. Yeah, there's okay. a Darmstadt Lutheran Church somewhere, or a Trinity. Uh, no, there's a there's another Lutheran Church in Darmstadt really? somewhere else. Yeah, is it's that so right? confusing. Yeah. yeah, that's what you could do in retirement: is go visit all the all Lutheran that, churches uh, in towns uh, named Darmstadt. Darmstadt. <laughs> that won't take me too long. There's only one, <laughs> other than ours. Uh, let's keep reading. And, and on the Sabbath day, they went into the synagogue and sat down. After the reading from the law and the prophets, the rulers of the synagogue sent a message to them, saying, "Brothers, if you have any word of encouragement for the people, say it." Wow, so they they're already kind of recognizing even in the synagogue, huh? Yeah, and I, this isn't a super unusual practice. Okay. So so in the synagogue they gather together primarily to to pray to read the scriptures. And we're talking about the Old Testament scriptures here, and it says specifically the law and the prophets. So you got the law and and you were thinking about the the Torah, that first right. five books of the, Genesis, the Bible. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Yeah, and then you got the prophets, so they read from one of the prophets, maybe Isaiah or Jeremiah, whatever the case might now, be. I'm not going to list all of those. <laughs> so, because you got the major ones, the minor ones. And then after 
that, they invite them saying, hey, if you, if you have a word of encouragement, say it. And we see that with Jesus, too, similarly. But yeah, that that's he, right. That's he's how he allowed to ministry, speak yeah, there. In, in Nazareth there, yeah. Yeah, in the synagogue. And uh, speaks with authority. Uh, so Paul and Barnabas, they, they take this opportunity. And so Paul stands up, motions with his hands, we see in verse 16, and he begins to preach. But, but now let me ask you a quick question here, and then we'll, we'll get the sermon. So do you think they're recognizing him as Saul, the one who was kind of the Pharisee of the Pharisees, that they really don't know what they're getting into here, you think? Mm-hmm. Well, we don't have the details, but okay. it's kind of neat to wonder about, because, yeah, they think that I'm sure his reputation precedes him, okay. right? Um, Saul, is he coming here as a Pharisee, or is he coming here as something else? And, and it is interesting that it's Paul now who addresses them. That name change happened yeah. already. So, so yeah, so this is it. Um, in the verses before that, we see the, the switch happen. So it's in this chapter that, that that change occurs. We hear that more and more. So the further they get away from Antioch and Jerusalem— yep, yep. His name changes to Paul. So now they're pretty good ways away, Pisidian Antioch, and now they're calling him Paul. So it's kind of like he said, when in Rome, be like the Romans. That's kind of his practice that he mm-hmm. tries to adapt to whoever it is he's talking to. Oh, yeah, we see we say that all the time, you know, yeah. in, in terms of circumcision and who's circumcised oh, yeah. or not. Yeah. And, you know, we see that with Timothy, certainly, and uh, it, it, whatever best serves the gospel, whatever best serves the proclamation of Jesus Christ, that seems to be what Paul does. All right, so here's the sermon. How far do you want well, me to Well, let's, you know, uh, Our, just okay. for the sake of time, yep. he begins kind of common practice retelling. Well, first of all, common practice is to go to the synagogue first. I think that's sure. interesting yep. to point out. Yep. First, he goes to the synagogue to people that already have this knowledge of the Old Testament scriptures, the Jews, and he shares the word. Unless he's in a place like Philippi, where there seems to not be a synagogue, and then he goes down oh, uh, okay. to, down by the river, and we remember Wherever, Lydia and this group yeah, of women the, and the, others. The religious and, women yeah, were gathering, yeah. yeah. But if there's a synagogue, it seems to be that's where he goes. Okay, he, he retells the salvation history of God's work in the Old Testament, but I want to skip down uh, to verse 26, where he gets to that fulfillment then in Jesus, and really listen for how he, he preaches Jesus, his death, and his resurrection. Okay. Brothers, sons of the family of Abraham, and those among you who fear God. So apparently there were some God-fearers there. In other words, people that weren't necessarily Jews by, by birth. Exactly. So um, Gentiles, but yet still believers in the Lord. Yeah. Coming yeah. to the synagogue. Uh, to us has been sent the message of this salvation. For those who live in Jerusalem and their rulers, because they did not recognize him nor understand the utterances of the prophets, which are read every Sabbath, Fulfilled them by condemning him. Isn't that ironic? Yeah. Isn't that ironic? Yeah. Those who live in Jerusalem, right? Uh, they did not recognize or understand the utterances of the prophets, the things you just read here in your synagogue. Yep. yep. Uh, but they fulfilled them by condemning him. <laughs> they didn't understand them, but they fulfilled yeah. them. Yeah. So you think of like Isaiah 53, yep. and you yep. think of, you know, the, the suffering in Psalm 22. They, they don't understand that's pointing to Jesus' death, but yet. God works through them, guys like Caiaphas and others, to fulfill them and, and to bring about Jesus. Well, well Caiaphas particularly, because he's oh, the yeah. one that said, isn't yeah. it better for one man to die for the people? And not had any idea that he was speaking prophetically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So God can make these people his instruments, even though they have no idea what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like you and me, Matt. Like, yeah, yeah, pretty much. Sums up the rest of the basics, <laughs> right. right? So yeah. thanks be to God. <laughs> Uh, oh, let's okay, see. verse 28. Uh, and though they found in him no guilt worthy of death, they asked Pilate to have him executed. 
And when they had carried out all that was written of him, they took him down from the tree and laid him in a tomb. But, so okay, okay. I, I think okay. I, so I think that's interesting. So yeah. um, right now, I mean, just looking at pronouns, it's they, sure. they, yes. they, yeah. those yeah. who misunderstood the Jews. They found him guilty and not worthy of death. But they asked Pilate to still have him executed. Uh, they carried out all that was written. They took him down from the tree and laid him in the tomb. Um, so they are doing this. They are yeah. doing this. Yeah. They are doing this. Okay. Uh, but now there's this switch in, in pronouns and who's doing the acting here. When it gets to not the death, but when it gets to the resurrection. Ah, I think that's so interesting. Okay. So if, if you want to continue with verse so, 30. So they were the ones that brought him into the tomb. Yeah. But God raised him from the dead. And for many days he appeared to those who had come up with him from Galilee to Jerusalem, who are now his witnesses to the people. And we bring you the good news that what God promised to the fathers, this he has fulfilled to us, his children, by raising Jesus, as also it is written in the second psalm, you are my son, today I have begotten you. And as for the fact that he raised him from the dead, no more to return to corruption. He has spoken in this way. I will give you the holy and sure blessings of David. Therefore, he says also in another psalm, you will not let your holy one see corruption. Want me to keep reading? Yeah. Well, we'll stop there for okay. a second. Yeah. So they put him in the tomb, took him down off the cross. But I, I think that's that's a neat insight. Who brought him out from the tomb, yeah. right? Yeah. God. God. Yeah, yeah, the Father. I, I you and, know. and, you know, I think that's even neat, too, that it wasn't Jesus. He didn't raise himself. No, God the Father raises him. Even for Jesus, the resurrection is a gift mm-hmm. that comes from the Father. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think this emphasizes this is all part of the plan. This yeah. is all part of God's plan. This is no accident. It's not that the devil, you know, pulled one over on, on Jesus <laughs> and, and the Father. No, this is all part of the plan. And, and and you can see that as he quotes the Psalms after that, that this is, and this is, of course, what the, they didn't pick up on. Yes, yeah, yeah. exactly. And now Paul spends really the rest of the time just talking about the resurrection. And so in that the resurrection is the fulfillment yeah. of the scriptures too. Uh, in fact, he even says, we're now the witnesses, witnesses of this resurrection. Oh, That's yeah. so important yeah. that those who saw Jesus risen from the dead now give eyewitnesses account that he really is alive, including Paul, who Jesus encountered on the road to Damascus. And then we bring you the good news, so that gospel word that God promised to the fathers. And then the good news that he unfolds, in this case, isn't so much the cross. The good news here, the gospel, is the resurrection. Resurrection. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So he unpacks that and he quotes the Psalms and and, uh, Psalm 16 in particular, we would not let your holy ones see corruption. Same one that Peter quotes too on Pentecost. Yeah. 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 You know, and and David who wrote, you know, that Psalm, he he saw corruption. He's not talking about himself. David, good of his guy he was, he died and he's buried and he's Dust His and bones ashes. are with us today, Peter says. Yeah. 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 yeah, but but Jesus, no, just the opposite. His body doesn't decay. It doesn't see corruption. Uh, it doesn't turn you know ashes to ashes, dust to dust. No, it's it's raised. Yeah, never to die again. Uh, and that's that's so very important. And that that I think that's so interesting that that is the gospel. So he doesn't he doesn't just preach Christ crucified no. as important as that is, but he also preaches Christ raised from the dead, and even calls that the good news. Um, so for us today, you know, uh, I think for us too, in our preaching during the season of Easter, but all the time, uh, that we also preach Christ crucified and risen and recognize that that resurrection from the dead is key because because Jesus is raised, we're raised. And in our baptism, just as we're connected and, and connected to his death and baptism, so also his resurrection and baptism. 
And, you know, it's interesting because uh, um, when Peter does a very similar thing, but Peter definitely focuses on uh, what what uh, they've done, uh, the one whom God made Lord in Christ, you you crucified. Yeah, yeah, and, on Pentecost. And, and, and he could do that. He yes. could do that. And those people were moved to say, uh, what shall we do? Which I had never realized before, but I think is actually kind of a cry of desperation because, oh, yeah, we crucified him. Well, what, what can we do? Now what? <laughs> yeah. Well, then, of course, comes the whole gospel. Whereas here, dealing with people that weren't those that crucified him, he emphasizes more the resurrection. That's why you need to listen to us, because we're telling you the story of a man who died and yet who is now alive. Yeah. 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 Yeah, for these people that are, you know, pretty far removed now in this Pisidian Antioch. Yeah, that's the message. So maybe that says something to us, too. Maybe we need to emphasize more that we believe in a God who is actually still alive. Because, I mean, that's the contrast between us and, say, Muhammad. Exactly. Muhammad's dead. His bones are in a tomb somewhere. You know that. In fact, there's probably a shrine uh, wherever that is. But but no, you can't do that with our God because there is no bones left. Exactly, yeah. yeah. And I think so much more as the day of his return approaches. Yeah. Because when we see the, the world around us and the wars and rumors of wars and we see death and destruction— what what overcomes that? Well, ultimately, Christ, who's already overcome those things, really, and overcome death itself. That's what we need to hear, that message. And that that same one is going to return someday in, in his body yep. and return in glory for all to see. And, and you know what? That's a really good insight, Matt, because we live in a world of death, don't we? Yeah, You, you cannot much. Uh, turn on the internet without seeing some other crazy man that's shooting people in high schools or putting bombs on people's doorsteps. And, and so, yeah, maybe that is the thing we really need to emphasize. We have someone, you, you can't get rid of the death. It's there. We confront it. But we have someone who's actually overcome death and wants to give us that gift as well. So. I think it's let's just can we yeah. skip forward, John? Sure, so sure. what's the reaction of the people there? Okay, uh, ver- verse we... forty two. What do the hearers say? You you alluded to what they said in Pentecost. Here's what they say here uh in Antioch. As they went out, the people begged that these things might be told to them the next Sabbath. And after the meeting of the synagogue broke up, many Jews and devout converts to Judaism followed Paul and Barnabas, who as they spoke with them, urged them to continue in the grace of God. Yeah. You know, and and would that be our reaction too? You know, that we would beg <laughs> to hear this again on the next Sabbath, that that we would continue in that faith, and that this message of the resurrection that we hear, that we just heard on Easter Sunday, and that we hear this time of year, would be something that we always want to hear as we celebrate the resurrection every time we gather and worship in the presence of our living God, who forgives and restores and gives His body and blood and and strengthen us for each day. You know that we would beg. <laughs> To hear yeah, that, yeah. be told those things again the next Sabbath as we gather together as God's people. Well, I particularly uh, love what you said there in terms of the Lord's Supper because that's that's the evidence. We actually receive the evidence that he's yeah. alive because he is here and he offers us as his, his body and his blood for us for the forgiveness of sins. And so there you have kind of the combination of the crucifixion, uh, the body given and shed, and yet also the resurrection because if he was dead, you couldn't do that. Bodies that are stuck in tombs, no, you can't share uh, around the world uh, miraculously, but the body who has risen and ascends to heaven, yeah, that body and blood can be offered to all of us. Amen. So, uh, and I love how that's, even in the early, early church, they start to gather together on that first day of the week on Sunday, because that's the day of resurrection. That's the day that, that we celebrate Easter and that our Lord was raised. And every Sunday then is that celebration of Easter, that we have a Savior who lives, and because he lives, so do we. 
Well, thank you, Matt, for the week after Easter to remind us that he is still risen. He's risen, risen indeed. indeed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.